1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more.
2: Learn more at uh1.com. That's. Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really.
0: France are going to go the World Cup. Get over This fellow, Ronaldo, is a cop.
1: Boom, 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 foul! Boom, 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 yellow card.
2: Nah, that's actually a problem, sir. i have to ask you to remind you language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Relax. I don't draw teacups.
0: It's not my style. I think i would rather throw punches. What you doing down here? You're shiny, man.
1: You ever just about to tweet an opinion on a match that you're watching and then something happens that forces you to breathe a sigh of relief that you, oh, you didn't tweet that? Tweet, yeah. Yeah. That has happened to you, Ken and yeah. Like. yeah. Extra time in Munich on Wednesday night. Bayern level with Juventus. What I was about to tweet was along the lines of Pep in full crazy panic mode on the sideline. Can't imagine this has any positive impact on his players. <laughs> bang goal! Bang goal! Four two victory for an ecstatic Bayern Munich and Pep Guardiola. Uh,
3: I'm really annoyed now
4: that you didn't tweet that. Hang on, this was at,
1: this was in the in break, extra time. No, during during the first period of extra time before right. they got their. Did they get their goals in the second period? It was seconds. F- yeah. Okay, so yeah, it was. I, I'm talking. I was about to hit tweet. Yeah, didn't didn't quite manage to do it. Thankfully, amazing. I mean, he was as crazy as I've ever seen him on the sideline. Yeah, he was yeah. coming out. He was kicking balls. He was going completely haywire, shouting at people. Oh god! The actually, maybe I was. Projecting this anger onto the players, but to me, I was thinking these lads are getting bugged by this. This
4: fella, oh, he was going mad, and then I was watching him because you could see him kind of leaping around. He was shot almost the, the entire time yeah. at the bottom
1: of the screen. Yeah, yeah.
4: and uh, and you could see him like capering around, and it was obvious that the players are not looking at him. You know what I mean? He's shouting at guys. He's 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 expressing like. He's like, oh, I can't believe it. what you what, what was that? and at one stage, a, just yeah, Alaba
3: like willfully. <laughs> I, you could the the lines of sight were quite clear. Alaba was willfully looking in exactly the opposite direction, yeah. even though Guardiola was shouting at him oh. like a loon.
4: It's, I mean, it was it was great to watch, but you know. I suppose it works it worked out in the end. I mean, he would've looked very foolish. The whole thing was, was really teetering in the <laughs> yeah,
1: The whole Pep Guardiola myth was <laughs> like, almost
4: exploded. Okay, this is the guy he, who was once you know Messi's coach and at that time he was very good <laughs> and now he just keeps losing these Champions League knockout games against the first good team they come up against in the season. Yeah. Well I That's um, not great
3: I own Had the courage of my convictions Go on uh, On Twitter <laughs> And did say that
4: Foreigner, Not was good <laughs> what, did you, what did you say?
3: No I was basically saying that uh, Pep Guardiola may be You know An absolutely brilliant coach But If he had big Duncan Ferguson On the bench He would 100% Put him on <laughs> with, Because The only reason They're still in the Champions League Is that They managed to Horse in Two brilliant crosses And someone managed to Nut two brilliant goals in yeah. and that was basically this—the saving of the entire game. So like get enough, put it in the mixer, and some lad will stick a nut on it, and yeah. uh, that's why he's still in the Champions League.
4: Well, that's you know, I mean, it, it worked out. I mean, two of the substitutes, uh, two of the substitutes scored. He may, This is the thing about Guardiola. He does try to take the ball by the horns. You know what I mean? As a as a coach, he does not just sit there, you know, watching it happen and hope that it goes his way. Thinking, you know, I've done all my work it's up to the players now. No, he's like, I'm going to try and impact, uh, I'm going to try and affect this game. Um, so at halftime, he made a substitution. You know, he took off a centre-back, put on a left-back. Well, put on, you know, out a left-sided player. He he put on Kingsley Coman for Xabi Alonso. You know, completely different types of player. I mean, compare, for instance, to Louis van Gaal playing for, uh, you know, in the match United-Liverpool game where he continually, he just substituted his full-backs with other full-backs, substituted Schweinsteiger in for, you know, in midfielder. It was just, well, what, are, what are you trying to achieve? Nothing has really going to changed. Going really, yeah. Whereas every time Guardiola's making a change, it was changing the shape of the team, changing what they were trying to do. It's not necessarily always, he's not always going to get it right. You know, sometimes these changes don't work, but at least he's trying something.
1: Oh yeah, you know? he's a proactive manager. I would imagine he's a proactive man. I'd say if you were yeah. friendly with Pep Guardiola, he arrives home from his jaunt in New York and he's just going through the photographs. Yeah. He's not He's not going to just let you sit there and look at those photos. He'll be just over your shoulder. Yeah, that's myself and the kids there. On. That's the uh, Empire that's State that's building, there. building there. there. That's Kasparov there, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the
3: Highline there. It's actually really good. I, I'd recommend it it's to anyone. Right. yeah. Yep.
1: Well, he,
4: um, he, he apparently told the players at halftime, uh, or rather after full-time, that if you don't win this, I'm going to cut your balls off. Did he? Yeah, that was his... Uh, <laughs>
1: that's proactive.
4: That, yeah, that is proactive. That's it. So three. So the players... But, you know... I think at that stage they just equalized you know an injury time. Um I think it was looking good for Bayern at that stage because Juventus had really been as soon as they went ten up they were like okay we're going to cling on now. We think we can do this. We are Juventus. And you know to let in an equalizer uh, you know when that's been your whole approach is shattering. You know you knew there was no way back. It was just penalties. It's just about penalties for them and and ultimately uh, they couldn't do it
1: a lot of people have been in touch to say how much they enjoyed the special Emmanuel Petit version of the Irish Times edition I should say of the Irish Times second captain's football podcast we put that out earlier this week so do scroll down there and have a listen to that Petit was uh, just a really charming man amongst and also a very intelligent guy who talked about Uh, football and a lot of issues outside of football surrounding the current state of France and the symbolism of his team in 98 loads of great stuff like that so uh, about a 20 minute chat, that's the amount of time we had could have have talked to him for an hour or two I'd say, enjoy that if you get a chance in the meantime, enjoy this report on sport in advance
4: So the draw has been made for the next round of the Champions League Yeah Uh, It's Wolfsburg against Real Madrid Bayern Munich against Benfica Barcelona against Atletico Madrid and PSG against Manchester City, so it's all set up for another Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona plus one, plus one off PSG or Man City. Oh yeah, in lucky
3: f- outsider is PSG and Man <laughs> City
4: in the final. I mean, in the semi-finals, right?
3: Representing for the the ordinary folk.
4: I mean, the obviously the when you look at those, uh, maybe the, the tie that's maybe most. Unpredictable. Well, maybe maybe PSG Man City is unpredictable, but Barcelona Atletico Madrid. You would, you expect Barcelona to to win, wouldn't you? Atletico Madrid have knocked them out at this stage before, just two seasons ago they did. Um, yeah, I mean that will be an interesting game to watch. But again, it's it's very samey this competition. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like okay, we, we and Juventus game the other the other night was a good good match.
1: But well actually it was a great match Yeah, like, yeah. that was a really properly Exciting Champions League match There's something about Juventus That's exciting again Even though they were well, Strong last season But
3: this is it I mean you're, you're talking about Juventus as The, the plucky, plucky outsider You know yeah. And that's Probably not great
4: Yeah it kind of says That's It kind of says what, what Guardiola has done At Bayern And what Bayern Has have done as an institution Over the last few years That Juventus are like The little underdog mm-hmm. Like the yapping Little plucky Juventus
1: But my point is that there are still great matches. I I don't know how often.
4: Once a year. Yeah, I mean that was probably it. Really, wasn't for the. I mean, we wait and see. Maybe you know Barcelona against Bayern Munich is was was pretty good last season. I mean, maybe that's what this competition is about now. It's just (sighs) waiting for those, uh, waiting for those games. It's
3: kind of turning into like the All Ireland Football Championship, where you kind of hang around for months and months until. You finally get to the quarterfinals, and you might get you might get two good quarterfinals, and then you have the pretty much the four same teams that are left over and over again for you know five or six years. Yeah,
4: yeah it's um, I don't know. It's I mean, okay, if if the matches are all like Barn against Juventus, then fair enough. But they're not. Um, last night, um, it, you know, it was an interesting occasion. At Old Trafford It certainly ended up with a lot of. Uh, I mean, both Manchester United and Liverpool have been charged by UEFA. Uh, for the various problems at the game, uh, there was violence in the stands. Uh, there was, you know, chants, uh, uh, illicit chanting. I think is the what term. So, what sort of you.
1: violence in the stands? It's not something you hear of too often.
4: There was some you Liverpool fans, industry, okay. Liverpool fans who, who uh, towards the very end of the game, where they were sitting in uh, the United section, just near where the away fans are, just over where they are, but they were in in, a manu- in like a section full of home fans. And, but towards the end of the game, couldn't resist. It was time to celebrate. Uh, so they got up and were unfurling their flag, you know, we conquer again or something like this. And uh, it seems that the United fans around them uh, took exception to this, and there was a you know big fight in the stand, um, which the police didn't really seem to do.
1: A huge amount about?
4: No. Um, so that was, you know, that's, that's not good. You know, you could see seats being broken and being thrown around. Um... And and there seemed to be a lot of you know the the this kind of back and forth tit for tat Hillsborough, Heisel, Munich um, stuff just is like chronic now you know. So there was a there was a banner you know murderers a banner strung out on the on a motorway bridge, like for you know to greet the Liverpool fans on the way up to Manchester, and um, you know even one of the Liverpool youth players. Jordan Williams, um, so, I mean, you're talking about a 20-year-old player whose uh, Twitter account responded to a video of Liverpool fans celebrating inside Old Trafford, uh, basically an airplane emoji and a pair of hands clapping. So, he then says, tweet deleted, Williams says, my Twitter has been hacked. Mm. I would never put anything like that to offend anyone. Sorry about this. You know. So, I don't know why anyone would hack Jordan Williams' Twitter. It strikes me that if you had the technical skills to hack a Liverpool player's Twitter, you might want to pick a higher profile one <laughs> than Jordan Williams if you wanted to um, if, if you wanted to make trouble in that way. Um, so yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens to him. Um, but on the field, I, I mean it was it was an okay game. I mean it was it was a decent match up to the point at which Liverpool scored, and then it was, you know, Manchester United kind of, that was it. They were gone. You, you kind of could see that they weren't going to be able to come out. They weren't going to be able to, you know.
3: You know United, I, I thought, actually played quite well, but the second the goal went in, they very, they pretty quickly assumed, right, well, that's that then. And all conviction yeah. went out of their play. They
4: really did. There, there was there's none of this kind of insane obstinacy, you know, from this Manchester United team. Like they. They know the score. You know, they know the odds. Uh, they know the percentages, and if it looks as though it's out of reach.
3: Tis but a flesh wound <laughs> n- are not words that you would foresee could be out of this by just the United team.
4: No. Um and, and you knew that he, you know, even if by some miracle they, they could score three, they were probably gonna let in another goal. You got the impression that Bull could could, you know, step it up if they needed to. Um I mean you could see that when Coutinho scored, it was a great goal by Catinho. Um <laughs> Great goal by Coutinho. Uh, there were five Liverpool players in the box. You know, it was like the reason David de Gea. I mean, David de Gea let it let it in pretty badly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but he but he's assuming that this, the ball's going to be played across the box because there are four Liverpool players all crowding in on the six-yard box. You know, apart from Coutinho himself. Um, that's pretty positive play. You know what I mean? That is to see that kind of thing at Old Trafford. I mean, okay, we've seen it more often in recent seasons, let's say, from all kinds of teams. But it just, it does, it is a good example of what I think Klopp has brought to the bill that kind of here we all are, we're all in the box now, where's the ball? it's very positive, very uh, direct, and it's no surprise that they're, that increasingly they seem to be able to get big results. De
1: Gea did make a few, <laughs> his, his usual amount of ridiculously good saves as well. But in that case, m- maybe he was trying to be a little too smart for his own good. Goalkeepers, you see them sometimes trying to bluff the defender or, or, or tempt the attacker into going for the near post and then just being fast enough and good enough to get across and make the save. Mm. I don't know if that is what was in his head, but in the end, it was such a deft finish that, he just didn't have time to react to it,
4: and I think Coutinho is a player who can do either thing. You know, what I mean, he he was in a similar position against Joe Hart when when they played uh, Liverpool beat Manchester City at at Eastlands, and in that situation, he passed to Firmino, Firmino who who rolled it in. And this occasion, he's you know he decides to go for the shot, but he can he can make his decision at the last second, um, which just makes it difficult to defend against him. I mean, he is he does look. I mean, Klopp is saying, "Oh, he's you know he's a genius. The boy's a genius. He th- you know he's still only a kid, but he thinks he thinks so hard about his game." And I, uh, he increasingly does look like the next Premier League player who's going to join Barcelona. <laughs> and uh, if you you might have seen uh, Luis Suarez popping up at Melwood last week. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Welcome to buy. Uh, Mohamedou Sacco.
4: Yeah, Mohamedou Ma- <laughs> <laughs> Sako saying, but uh, you know what? I don't really think Luis Flores was there necessarily just to see Mohamedou Sako. Uh, I mean,
3: obviously for the most part, but not maybe entirely.
4: I mean, I'm not. I'm sure he wouldn't be so brazen as to walk into Liverpool's training ground and tap up their best player for <laughs> <Philippe> Coutinho <laughs> and ask him to come back to Barcelona with him. But you know, to be honest, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if 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 that com- is that conversation had come up. Uh, you know, he did say he, he's 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 kind of gone on the record quite a lot about his admiration for Coutinho. How, first of all, he thinks this is the player. The signing of Coutinho when he did join Liverpool was what suddenly turned them unexpectedly into into a very good team. Um, you know, the, he was the guy who he'd said, you know, you got to look after this guy. When he was leaving, he's like, just look after look after Phil. He's a bit <laughs> special, so. I don't know. He was very good, again, but I just wonder how long they are going to be able to But what to is tapping up, him.
1: really? I mean, if he's over there, if Coutinho asks him, how's it going for you at Barcelona? Bloody amazing. <laughs> Philippe, bloody amazing. Right, no, no, bring, I'm, scoring a, I'm scoring a goal every game. Actually, that Messi guy actually Philly. doesn't have any ego. It's amazing. Yeah. He's just the perfect bringing superstar a con- to play with.
3: Bringing a contract over for him to decide he's <laughs> tapping up. I don't think anything else <laughs> is just two pros having a chat.
4: To be honest, to be honest, Phil, the season's been going pretty well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have 18 more goals uh, than I did this time last season and I've played one less game. The, so The uh, weather,
1: Philippe, in Barcelona in springtime. Ooh,
3: perfect. They have a beach. I mean, it's kind of a shitty beach but <laughs> it's still a beach, you know.
4: <laughs> um, Klopp has already done a press conference this morning. Uh, we're, we're still waiting to see who Liverpool have been drawn against in the Europa League. What um, was
1: Klopp wearing in the press conference?
4: A Beatles t-shirt. Why, oh, some man. He is some man, isn't he? he know, is some what, come some on. man. What is he doing? Wearing an actual Beatles t shirt for the press conference today after beating Man United. <laughs> um, confidence is a flower, says Jurgen Klopp.
3: It's just, it, it's just. I would have loved to have seen Louis Van Hal, you know, to, <laughs> to, to take up the his Smiths part of the t-shirt. forfeit. Yeah, the, the, the Stone Roses coming out with the, Did you see
4: Johnny Marr even had a go at poor old Louis Van Hal? Oh, no. Yeah, he did. Johnny Marr from the Smiths wrote something on Twitter, like, when is when is the United manager going to be finished this Lord of the Rings colouring book he's been colouring It must be pretty amazing by now. <laughs> I think in reference to Van Hal's habit of taking notes. Notebook. But come on, you know, please, like, show some, show some restraint. <laughs> Van Hal does not need to know that Johnny Marr has joined in with, you know, the boot boys who are, uh, Battering him out of out of a job. Yeah. What does
3: Manny make of it all?
4: <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't say Manny's impressed <laughs> in the slightest uh, with what's going on. But uh, confidence is a flower, says Clop. If you step on it, then it's away in a second. It is harder to let it grow than die. <laughs> I'm not really sure where is this metaphor going. What What is it? What do you mean? I don't even understand. Um, it's
1: a problem when somebody starts a metaphor. They often find it hard to. I've fallen into this trap myself, Ken, sometimes presenting this podcast. You you just stick with that damn metaphor.
4: I always remember uh, Alex Ferguson uh, talking about giving the benefit of his long years of wisdom to want away Wayne Rooney, Mm -hmm. who was at the time considering wanting away a move to Manchester City. And Ferguson said, well, sometimes in life you think that the cow in the next field is better than your own cow. (laughs) But actually... When you get up close, you realise that that other cow isn't as good as you cow, and, and you're just like, "Why are you talking about a cow? It's it's such a simple concept." You know, he might think it's great at Man City, but he'd find it's not. Well, there's no need to bring the cow. Sure, out. maybe the poor in the neighbor's garden nothing. or something like that. <laughs> if, if you want to be relevant,
3: well, the grass is always greener. The grass and not, who eats grass has and A cow and just yeah. from there. There's
4: just no need to bring in a cow. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not working. But th- that was never really Alex Ferguson's forte. In fairness, he, his you know uh, metaphorical imagery wasn't really his his thing. Um, he was there at the game last night. You saw him celebrating at uh, at one 0 but then uh, not celebrating uh, a little later on. Um, so, we are, yeah, we're waiting to see. I think we might may have to finish recording before that draw is made. That's okay.
1: Yeah, no, no, studio space is tight today, just to explain that, because we're recording on a Friday as opposed to a Thursday. But and there are... Some other podcasts
4: going on. There were some astonishing remarks. Well, not astonishing, really. Quite, uh, matter of fact, and in my opinion, accurate remarks from Howard Webb. But they are very uh, scathing, coming from you know, uh, a referee or former referee. It's one thing imposing yourself on the game, says Howard Webb. It's another thing being a thug on the pitch. This is him talking about Marwan Fellaini. He says Fellaini can't play without throwing his elbows around. He should have been suspended for the, his elbow in the in the first leg, which UEFA decided not to punish him for. UEFA never looked at it. Uh, this ongoing battle with Chan continues. He throws an arm, reckless in my opinion, not violent, worth the yellow card, but this one's a red card. This is an elbow on Dejan Lovren. Um, he clenches his fist, he puts force into the elbow, the point of the elbow into the back of the head, he should have been sent off. We know what Fellaini's about when we're refereeing. we've seen it all throughout his career. He actually seems to be getting worse and worse. Week in, week out, he can't get through a game without violently throwing his arm into people's faces. Uh, he gets away with it uh, week in, week out, but people are getting a bit fed up of it. I think everyone is getting fed up of, of Marlon Fellaini. We'll talk to Jonathan Wilson about what he's making of this, but it was really extraordinary to see the way in which his own supporters were turning on him, I thought, uh, you know you just you don't tend to see this you know this kind of you don't you don't see a player stay in the team so long when the crowd has clearly turned on him you know his own crowd Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty amazing so as to why Van Hal keeps picking him I don't know we'll talk uh, to Wilson about that
1: that's it for your report on Sporting he's
2: just a crying big baby but you cannot call a player a baby Victory, boy. Didn't have a I want victory for every game. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Which is the game you wanted victory for? I didn't have a weapon. Well, it's just a uh, nervousness. You look frustrated on the pitch. Which is the game you wanted victory for? I didn't have a weapon. You wanted victory. Well, I wanted victory. Which is the game you wanted victory for? I didn't have a weapon. Where do you think you got it all wrong today?
4: Them in the premier and we never said they are baby. You just a crying big baby. You cannot call a player
1: a baby. And I hate to do this to you again, but I think you may have missed the story. Coach? Yes, indeed. Our friend Oluwashina Akaliji tweeted a link to the following. News 24 Nigeria reports: the Nigeria Football Federation says it will soon send a letter to former Super Eagles coach. Stevie, No, Sunday Alise, sorry to get your hopes up, to demand a refund of 10 million naira. What's naira? What's the currency Must be the currency. Alise, in a new video on Monday, announced that he has dropped a lawsuit against his former employers. But the Federation will soon throw... The Nigerian Football Federation uh, are, much like Pep Guardiola, they're proactive rather than reactive, I think. And in this case, they're going to throw the next punch in the battle that has ensued between the two parties since his resignation. Chairman of the NFF Technical and Development Committee, Chris Green, said at least they should expect a letter from the Federation demanding a refund of the 5 million of the currency, paid it to him in lieu of his accommodation in Nigeria and the February 2016 salary, another 5 million, that should serve in lieu of this one. Uh, This one month notice of resignation, I should say. I should have read through this story before bringing it on air, but it was a a late call. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, so um, Stephen Keshi was not, did not, wasn't necessarily enamoured with a lot of the head honchos there in the Nigerian Mm. Football Federation, it seems. Sunday Elise is. Don't take any shit,
3: though I'll give him that
1: on. I'll give him that.
4: It reminds me, though, of this Tony Pulis story. Did you see that? No. Big problem for Tony Pulis. um, That he, uh, effectively, there was this court case. Uh, involving Tony Pulis and Crystal Palace, who, remember, he left Crystal Palace just a couple of days before the season started. He kind of left the job um, unexpectedly. And he's now been ordered to repay three and a half million pounds to Crystal Palace. Uh, this is a two million pound survival bonus, which he received in July 2014. Uh, a one million pound fine and court costs in the region of 500,000. He He's supposed to pay them £3.5 million, pounds. That's, a, that's a serious problem for him. I don't know how quite um, how that's going to play out. Maybe he's held on to the money in the meantime, you know? I don't know, but it's not good.
1: Probably won't end as acrimoniously for Louis Van Gaal at Man United, but it probably will end pretty soon. Jonathan Wilson's ready to talk to us. I'm not angry, I'm not frustrated. I was very proud of my players, they gave me everything, and I'm pleased the fans recognised that. Those were the po- post-match quotes of Van Hal last night, Jonathan. Maybe he should be angry and
0: frustrated with his players. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's difficult in that I think they were a lot better last night than they were in the first leg, and, and yeah, the tie was lost in the first leg. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it's, in a sense that it was one of those annoying ties where the away goals rule ruins the game. That uh, yeah, United you know, you got back into it. You, they, I mean, they weren't dominating the game by, by any means, but they were creating chances, and you sort of thought, well, you maybe there's something here for them, and then they can see the goals for half time, and yeah, they're not going to score three in the second half, so. The second half, yeah, after an intriguing first half, the second half sort of became, became quite flat.
4: Yeah. Um, There's a selection of views on Marwan Fellaini uh, after last night. Howard Webb says some very strong things about him, describes him as a thug. Uh, Paul Skull says he's just so clumsy, elbows all over. He's probably part of the confusion with United when he plays. Gary Lineker says, I've never seen a player use his elbows so much.
1: Ah, come on, Lineker. What? I mean you played in the Justin Fashione era the John Fashione era. What, what you played you, in the
4: eighties. What do you think, Jonathan? does Maren Felaney no. use his um, elbows more than John
1: Fashione?
0: Um I would have to go back and watch videos of John Fashione. <laughs> but I think he he said he uses his elbows more than is acceptable. Now I, I think you get to a point where it's almost irrelevant whether he means to do that or not. It, it's dangerous. Um I think there was two instances last night. There was one I think I named my chan pretty early on. Where he conceded the free kick, and I think was I think that was accidental. But I still think he was pretty lucky not to get a yellow card for it. Um, but then the, the the second one where he was booked for it uh, on on uh, Dan Lovren, that seemed to me pretty obviously deliberate, That Lovren was sort of holding him, and he swung around, and, and like right, he might not have known exactly where Lovren's head was, but you have some kind of duty of care, and you sort of you must know if you're swinging your elbow there that his head might be there. And that alone, I think, is enough to want a red card. And, you know, this isn't the only game where we've seen that. And I was Actually, I was watching the trying game to, trying to work this out. I mean, he, it, it, he's obviously taller than, than the average player. So maybe it's the case, if you, if you want to find an excuse for him, and I have to say I don't think this is valid, but it may be because he's taller, his elbows catch people in the face whereas other people's catch people in, in the chest. Mm. But I, I still think that it happens too often and the arms are too wild that... There's a recklessness there that yeah, sh- should have got him into more trouble than he has.
4: Yeah, no, I, I mean he's clearly doing it deliberately. I, I can't remember ever seeing Per Mertesacker elbow anybody, and he's even. Well, yes, that's
0: true as well. I mean, there are other tall players who don't constantly smack people in the head. That, yeah, and the thing is, you know, he, he must know it's happening. So, all right, it happens once, it happens twice. Stop doing it. You know, make sure that your elbows know, are tucked in. Well, I, I mean,
4: because the. The problem with Fellaini is that you're thinking, why is he actually playing in this game? Because, you know, van- Louis van Hal does not have to play him, doesn't he? To pick him, he's got Morgan Schneiderlin sitting there on the bench. He does not use him all night. He's got Memphis Depay in the bench. Okay, different position from Fellaini, but you know, you could jiggle that, you could jiggle things around a bit. But van Hal uses Fellaini, a player who's getting barracked by his own fans, you know, who's mocked by the Manchester United supporters. I've never seen this kind of scapegoating. Uh, of a player to, ha- to have gone this far uh, and the players still be in the team. So there's some reason why Van Gaal keeps picking him. And I actually think it's because the rest of the players are all just such kind of... There's a real kind of goody-two-shoes um, feel about a lot of these players. There's a kind of a sense of they're a little bit sort of after you. You know, maybe Juan Mata is, is a kind of a good summation of that. Very nice. Ar- arsenally. Very ar- Very arsenally. And that Marron Fellaini... Is being picked by Louis van Gaal because precisely because of that kind of vicious viciousness that he brings to the game. That's that's missing from all of the other players.
0: Yeah, I think there's a truth to that. I mean, I think it's also worth saying that the the game at Anfield this season, the league game, Fellaini um, was pretty instrumental in United winning that. But he moved tight the pitch later on, and, and, and Liverpool really struggled to deal with yeah the the, the flying elbows, the height, the aerial ability, the, the sense of this sort of wild wrecking ball just sort of smashing everything in its path so i i kind of grasp that van Hal thinks of a weakness in liverpool and i think there has i mean sacco was magnificent last night in a way that he hasn't always been and i think it's legitimate to to for van Hal to have thought you yeah, know maybe that's a way we can get it at, uh, at liverpool whether you do that from the start whether you you keep trying that when you know over the two legs it, it didn't work at all yeah that, that that's another question but I, I i think you're right i think there is a sort of, uh, you know, yeah, niceness, a sameness to, to the United forward line as, as, yeah, as you say, as it is to the Arsenal forward line, and he does give you something different. And it's, it's actually something I, I don't really understand about Van Gaal this season. That last season, he, you know, I think he used Fellaini very well. And I remember, you know, we, we had this conversation. You were saying, well, can Fellaini be part of the future for a club of United stature? And my answer was, well, in the long term, no. But it's a sort of short term. This is a thing that works. You know why not? It is getting them crucial goals, but for some reason Van Gaal seems to stop using them in that way this season, and so you know, you're not even getting there. of him. You're just getting this this figure of ridicule, who you know he, he's doing as much damage to his own team as he is to the opposition because this sort of wild wrecking ball thing is is, is is losing possession as well, which is the thing that Van Gaal supposedly privileges
1: chasing the game nothing really happened for them in the second half and by the end of it yeah, at the sight of a three or four years past his best Bastian Schweinsteiger coming onto the field it was maybe a little bit symbolic of the transfer policy there I mean Depay was sitting it out and didn't come on Schneidlin didn't come on uh what exactly is is going on there when you've got all these players these well, particularly in Depay's case i mean an attacking threat who isn't brought on in a game where you desperately need goals
0: yeah I, mean, I think there's, there's two issues there. I think Depay is actually having had a pretty poor season, I think he's been a bit unlucky that he had started the show signs of form, I mean okay, she' Mitchell, and you know they the the but not the highest level, but you sort of think, well maybe that gets his confidence back and he can carry that on um and, he, you know, he played well against against Arsenal as well. And then he leaves his place when Martial comes back. And, OK, Martial probably is more effective coming in off the left. But when you've got um, Rashford playing a centre-forward, is it, and who and hasn't really been effective for five games, which is not sort of a criticism here when he's 18. You know, you'd want his introduction to be more gradual than it has been. So you then think, well, is it not, not worthwhile trying Martial a centre-forward and playing Depay, who two or three weeks ago looked in good form, on the left, um, given that yeah, he's involved in Martial. Is, and, and again, this has probably too much been thrust on him too soon, but he probably has been United's most consistent attacking threat this season. The Schweinsteiger issue, yeah, I think that's just... They just haven't done due diligence. I mean, Guardiola was quite open that he didn't think Schweinsteiger could still hack it at the highest level, and everything we've seen this season has suggested that to be true. So, I mean, I'm slightly baffled as to why, why he did come on. Uh, rather than Schneiderlin, but Schneiderlin hasn't. I mean, he's been okay this season, but I don't think he's really sort of imposed himself as you'd hope. A, what a, was he a 26 million pound signing as, as, as a player of um, you know of the ability he showed last season and that price tag that you'd hope they would.
4: Uh, Jonathan, this um, question is beginning to—I mean, Paul Scholes was talking about it again last night, and he's saying, "Why can't Ryan Giggs be the manager? He's got the experience; he's got everything." We saw Giggs down by the um, by the sideline again uh, towards the end of the game, sort of directing operations. I wonder what your own thoughts on it are, because it does seem as though most of the kind of you know legendary figures uh, around Manchester United—you know, Ferguson, Bobby Charlton. I don't know if you describe David Gill as necessarily a legend, but, you know, uh, he kind of a big shot during their years of success. And Paul Scholes, these kind of guys all seem to be advocating for Ryan Giggs as the, as the choice of the next manager. I wonder what you actually think of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it intrigues me because it, it, you're right, it does seem to be unanimous among that group, which suggests that they've seen something in him that perhaps isn't obvious to, to those of us on the outside. And, I, you know, I guess they, they ought to know. You know, they, you know, they must know what he was like in training. They must have seen him as a senior player. Um, and and you know, the role he, he took on then—I um, mean, it would seem to me an enormous risk—and you know, to appoint to appoint somebody that inexperienced—and you do worry he'd become sort of this puppet that both sides were fighting over. But maybe, maybe he does have a strength of personality to be a own man. But I, I think you know, United's history shows how dangerous it is to appoint somebody from within without experience. And you just—okay, you know, his playing career was clearly way greater than what McGuinness's. But I think there's a very real danger that players will look at him and go, well, hang on, who, who are you to tell me what to do? You're the bloke who's on the bus with us five years ago messing around. Are you just a mouthpiece for somebody in the background, be that Ferguson, be that the Class of 92? Um, what, what I'd like to hear is somebody who's not sort of obviously part of the Class of 92 talk about gigs and say what they saw of him in training. You know, later on when he was obviously taking a slightly more pastoral role, um, and I guess that's where you might find a a more objective answer as to whether he's equipped for it. But I mean, even then, it, you know, the four games he had in charge before, I think, well, they won two, but they lost at home at Sunderland. They weren't brilliant then. So, I you know, and, and again, we, I, mean, you know, I know, we kind of say this again and again and again, but you do sort of feel that part of the reason that he's he's being. Promoted by the class of 92 and by the Ferguson faction, is that he's not Mourinho. But why have they got a position? It's a, a binary equation. Why are there no no other choices?
1: Jonathan, thanks so much.
0: Cheers. Thanks.
3: I care not one jot about his supreme talent. He launched himself six feet into the crowd and
2: Kung Fu kicked
3: a
1: supporter. You hadn't really considered that. I suppose I had considered the fact that Fellaini is in there for his muscle, Ken, and his awkwardness and maybe his thuggishness, as uh, called by Howard but hadn't really... Seen it as maybe Van Hal's attempt to make up for a deficit an almost total deficit of that elsewhere in the team Martial in fairness puts himself about a bit so does Rashford
4: well, Martial is very is very cool he's he's he, yeah. a very unemotional type yeah, of uh, player you know I mean he's he's only kind of he's only uh, young obviously I don't know if he's necessary I mean I, I I think it must be something like that I'm just trying to find a theory as to why you keep picking Fellaini because you know everybody says he's useless
1: yeah, I
0: don't think he. Ha- a liability. He ha- I don't
1: think he has been useless the entire time he's been there. I don't think he was that bad last year, actually. Um, but uh, unfortunately for him, he's not great, and he's certainly not a Manchester United. Not type a Manchester player.
4: United player <laughs> is a Manchester United player. In fact, um, the other thing that was happening over the last couple of days uh, in European football was the. PSV fans in Madrid, I don't know if you would have seen this video, but it was oh, yeah, really I did, yeah. amazing to see. So there's PSV f- uh, fans in the Plaza Mayor in in the center of Madrid, and they are, you know, sitting sitting out, having a few beers, whatever, in the sunshine. And then they uh, there there's some beggars in the square and the PSV fans start throwing coins, throwing coins at the at them to 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 create amusement, you know, for oh, they they have these people now running around trying to pick up this money, you know, they're, they're throwing like five and ten cent coins and then laughing as they see these people going to to pick it up and then getting them to do like press ups and stuff like this. Oh, here I'll give you money if you do press ups, and then everybody's laughing uproariously and pointing their finger. You know, you then see some people beginning to get a little bit annoyed by this, you know, and people coming up and saying in Spanish, you know, uh, "porquería de mierda." Which uh, I think essentially is piece of shit, and uh, you know you can't do that. You don't do this. Don't act like this. Um, Until eventually the police arrive and clear. Essentially, tell the beggars to clear off. That was all the police did. uh, That was almost the most surprising thing of the whole video. As I was watching it, just to see the um, the response was to uh, not to tell these guys. That they, uh, <laughs> Liverpool have been drawing against Dortmund, it looks like, in the Europa League. Uh, is that it? that draw is just coming through, so it'd be Braga, Shakhtar, Donetsk, Villarreal, Sparta, Prague, Athletic, Bilbao against Seville, which only yeah. leaves two teams in it, right?
1: Liverpool, Dortmund, wow, yeah.
4: Liverpool, Dortmund. So that should, that should be, um, that should be an interesting one, yeah. But, but, um, PSV, nice just to, to pop, finish yeah. on that, say that they are, um, they might be uh, They're looking into banning some of those fans, maybe even for life, but really despicable behaviour.
1: Okay, well, I uh, better some more of these Irish Times podcasts get into their studio and do their recording. Uh, our, our latest show, aside from this one, features Eddie O'Sullivan on the shambles of a disciplinary system in the Six Nations, and that's just about it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Owen. Thank thanks you, Kenny. Again, thanks very much thank for you listening. Karen, thank oh, you, Karen. and uh, don't forget, listen to the excellent Emmanuel Petit podcast, too.
2: I don't want to say that 100% of the new players, the the players of this generation are the same because that's not true. But there is a big majority in these players everywhere in the world. They only care about themselves, about their own image. They are more focused about uh, how many followers they have on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat or whatsoever instead of are we going to win the next game are we going to make the, our fans proud are we going to pay back the money we received all the time it's like they are more focused on the haircut, on the tattoos on whatsoever it's, I know so in my time it was quite the same with some players did you not
4: get uh, did, you, did people not
2: say oh Petit look at his hair, who does he think he is back in, you know, back in the day I've got long hair, Yeah, that's it yeah. maybe one day I will do tattoos as well But, you know, before showing off all the time, just prove your value. Not on six months, on years and years. If you pretend to be the star you think you are, then you have to prove it all the time. Not, you know, on the social networks, but on the pitch. What's
0: is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those,
4: those, those.